0: Good morning, Eastside family. Take your, well, we're, while, as we are worshiping with our offering, after we've done that, we'll let our children, ages three through third grade, go to junior worship. But if you're new here, and there are some people that are new here with little children, you're wondering where that is, just kind of walk in that direction. The rest of you get to stay in here. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Matthew, chapter five, Matthew chapter five. Jesus was seated when he taught the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm going to follow his example. And we're delighted to have Tony and Chrissy and Gabe and Hope and Samantha here with us. They're just visiting, but maybe they'll decide to move back. So it was, it was really... I get to do some really neat stuff with my job and I was with, um, it was very encouraging to be with Claire Santiana in the hospital the other day as she was in the hospital for more than two weeks on bed rest due to being pregnant and the doctor said you got to stay on bed rest and while that's a really frustrating thing, she was so blessed and so encouraged and so built, built up because so many of you have been to visit her and her family, and the number of you have been taking food to them as well. So that was just such an encouragement to see our church family doing that. And then with that, as most of you know, our our family has has recently experienced the loss of of actually two of our members who have young children, which is within a week's period of time, is is, is, is very heavy. They were close friends and and husbands and, and fathers. Martin Thomas and, and Bert Nunez. I don't see Laura here today. Laura Thomas, I mean. Everybody has their seats. I know exactly where. If you're, if, if, if you're not in your seat, I will know it. Even though I'm preaching, my subconscious is going, okay, they're absent, they're absent. I register that and I tell the elders. Um, <laughs> oh, Oh, the McBrides just walked out It Was it about five years ago when when we met the Thomas family, Ben and and, um, Martin and and Laura, they started coming to church here and they decided to put their son into PPCS and it was primarily our school, which is the ministry of our church, and it was primarily because Laura was a colleague of of, um, Jedger's and five years ago, they... They witnessed how our church family walked with and loved and supported um, Jason and Ginger at the illness and the passing of their, their newborn baby, Matthew. And it so impressed the Thomas family that our church family was so incredibly loving and so good and kind to carry The McBrides who this story that they decided, you know what, that we want this to be our church family. And so they've been coming here ever since. And little did they know, and little did we know, but God knew that five years later they were going to actually need a church family to walk with them to the death of to the illness and death of of Martin. And so many of you have been so incredibly supportive and so caring. So many of you were there at the memorial service. So many of you um, have taken food and have donated to, to help them and were at the reception that followed the funeral service. And so many of our school members, I'm so proud of our school, our staff and our administrators and our teachers were there by their side. And then, then there's, there's the story of the Nunez family. And Karen and I, we, we arrived Monday and so we went with Laura to the funeral home, Nunez, to the funeral home to, to help prepare for the service that's going to be today at, at 2 o'clock. And a friend of Laura's came along. Her name is Kim. Kim's a good friend. She's about the same age as Laura. And Kim, this year, I believe it's this year, right, in April, lost her husband and he's, he was 45, and he left Kim, his wife, and two children. And so Laura was there with us. And Laura was there with you all who were at the hospital as Bert was dying. Our church family was there. Our, our school family was there. She witnessed the incredible love and support that you gave. And so as we finished the details with the funeral home, we were walking out in the parking lot, and Kim came up to me, and she said, she said, hey, I'm so... Um, I've been numb for so long, and I was afraid I would go unnumb while I'm up here in front of you all. I knew this would happen. Um, She said, I'm so impressed and amazed by your church family. I've never seen a church family love and support like yours does. She says, I went home, and I told my children, that's what church is all about. I am very proud of this Eastside family for many reasons. But at the top of those reasons is you, you love so well. And it shows. Oh, church, that's it. Our mission, our elders said, our mission is to, to make disciples of all nations because that's the mission established by Jesus. And, and we're going to look in, in January at a series in the book of John. There's three marks or, or characteristics. of. Well, how do you know when you're looking at a disciple? What are the characteristics of a disciple? And Jesus says in John 13, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It's happening here, I thank God for the work that He is doing in, in making us into the people He's called us to be his disciples Matthew chapter 5 verse 1 is our text Now Jesus saw the crowds And he went up on a mountainside and sat down His disciples came to him and he began to teach them Blessed are the poor in spirit For theirs is the kingdom of heaven Blessed are those who mourn For they will be comforted Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you, and our, our focus today is verse three: Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Our our shepherds, our church, the leadership of this congregation is, is dreaming and considering a vision in the future of having a, a recovery ministry called Celebrate Recovery. And so there's nothing concrete in place other than taking steps of faith forward pursue that vision. and So one of those steps of faith forward that we're taking is we're having a class, a Sunday school class taught by Baruch and, and Bob called Life's Healing Choices. Another step of faith forward towards this vision was, was having Mac and Mary Owen come last week and tell us about their story of recovery and how God has called us to be like Christ into the world that is broken and tell us more about that ministry. But this sermon series also wasn't just me going, well, let's do the Beatitudes. It was, it was intentional as it's a step we're taking also of faith towards this vision. The series has as its, as its title, Life's Healing Choices, just like the Sunday School class. And like the Sunday School class, the objective of this sermon series is for us to, to look into the Beatitudes and see how these foundational principles of help and healing and recovery from whatever, whatever hurts or hangups or habits you may have they're, they're found here in the words and the teaching of Jesus and notice, notice I didn't say because when I say the word recovery your mind goes to alcoholism and drug addiction I didn't just say that because you may not be most of us probably aren't alcoholics and math addicts but all of us, if we're honest and if we're not then there's a problem too, Right? all of us if we're honest we've got some hurts we've got some unhealthy habits we've got some hang-ups and to varying degrees we need recovery which would be defined as we need help in something healing and as you come to the Beatitudes and you compare them to, perhaps you're familiar, the 12-step program, of the uh, it's a proven program of the uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, I believe that this Beatitude, Poor in the Spirit, that I want to focus on this morning, I believe it, it, it encompasses the first three steps of the 12-step program. Step number one is we admit that we're powerless, that our lives are unmanageable. Not just alcoholics need to admit that. Step number two, we came to the realization that we need a power greater than ourselves to help restore us and that power being God. You don't have to be a drug addict to come to that realization. Step number three, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. All of us, who of us does not need to do that ever? And so as we have framed this study with the title of life's healing choices, choices we are called to make, not to change our lives, to put our, our lives in a place where God can bring about that transformation. We find here what I believe this first beatitude is calling us to is a choice to surrender. A choice to surrender. I think it's interesting that Jesus starts the beatitudes with this first beatitude, the poor In spirit, Because in the world of of recovery, in the need of all of us to find help and healing and hope in our lives, we all have to first come to this beatitude. We all have to first come to this realization that we are poor in spirit, that we might come to make a choice of surrender. But there's a problem, and it's happening right now here among us, is that there's a thought, well, that's not for me. I don't need help. I, I really don't have such problems, but the truth is, we all battle with sinful issues, with hurts and habits and hang-ups, and we all need to continually turn to God for help and healing. But we put up we put up these, these obstacles that keep us from making a move. We put up these even even when we say, "Okay, let's pray together." There's reasons why so many of us pull back. I get that. <laughs> I've done that. I, I do that. In my story, and I've told you some of my, my earlier years' story of recovery, in my time of brokenness when I was in a, in, a, in a very bad place, I needed help. But there were these reasons or there were these obstacles that I put up, and they were all rooted in pride. All rooted in pride. That's the antonym of, of, of humility, of being poor in spirit. I needed help, but I resisted for various reasons. And I'm going to guess as I share with you the four reasons, you're going to go, yeah, if, if you're honest. My first answer was, well, well, I'm just not that bad. I have problems, but I don't need help and healing and recovery because I had in my mind when you say the word recovery that that means I'm going to have to be put in a straitjacket and put on Thorazine to make me sane and I'm, I'm, I'm not crazy. I'm normal. I'm not a full-blown drug addict. I'm not a I was perhaps somewhat of a criminal, but I'm not a full-blown criminal. But here's what was happening. I was on the road in that direction, but because I was not so far down the road, it just didn't seem at that minute that it was all so bad, but I was headed in that direction. It's kind of like saying, it's just stage one, cancer. What's to be freaking out about? It reminded me of, of a, of a friend I was sharing the gospel with, and they were so daring as to say, I don't need this, if you can imagine that. I don't need forgiveness, Eddie. I don't need help. I don't have sin. I'm just, Eddie, I'm not that bad. And their thinking was, I don't murder. I don't rob banks. I don't work as a prostitute. I'm not that bad. Now this person, I know them extremely well. They ooze with racism. It's in their life. It's in their voice. But they've never killed anyone. I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not that bad. Yeah, you are. If you're human, you are all have sinned, and the wages of sin is death. That's what we read in scripture. And so tagging on to I'm not that bad was my second thing that I put up as a wall of resistance to keep me from saying, God, help me. I need healing, I need recovery. My second one, first one, I'm not that bad. Then secondly, it was like, well, okay, so I'm not as bad as them. Maybe I have a problem, but... I'm not like the guy lying on the side of the road with a needle hanging out of his arm. I'm not like the, the alcoholic that sleeps in the park on the, on the bench. I'm not like like some of my friends at this stage of my life. I'm not like Kelly who I haven't committed suicide. I'm not like Ricky who's abused drugs and now he's paralyzed because of a car wreck. I'm not in prison. I'm not overdosing. I, okay, or I may be bad, but I'm not as bad as them. And, and I know that thought comes into our minds because especially, I almost don't want to use the word recovery or celebrate recovery because we automatically think of those kind of people and we don't include ourselves. And so we put up a barrier to finding healing. One can be so consumed by so many people i would say sinful unhealthy habits and hang-ups and hurts such as overeating undereating some of us here struggle with a with a nasty temper and you just can't get a, get a grasp on it, on overcoming it there's some rudeness and arrogance there's mocking and making fun of people there's racism there's gossip there are those that use hurtful language. Some of us battle with being workaholics. There's some legalism that struggled with. There's materialism, materialistic idolatry, out of control spending. There's laziness. There's those that battle with a critical spirit, those that battle with complaining. But we're not as bad as them. It's just, it's just prideful self-righteous arrogance. I think one of, the, one, of the greatest, one of the greatest examples of that is I'm astounded at the prideful hypocrisy of those who take such a strong stand against homosexual sin but are so immersed in and so turning a blind eye to their own heterosexual sin. That's a big issue. But, but I'm not as bad as them. I think we've too much adapted to, it's very unbiblical, but it's crazy that it's so, it's so religious, this thought of what's called mortal and venial sins, where there's some that are bigger and worse than others, and I've got the venial, and I'm sitting saying that, well, I'm just not as, as bad as them, and it's kind of like this, this picture, Jean-Pierre is here, and I don't mean to boast and say I'm a better artist than you are, Jean-Pierre. I know it's good, But I I actually always, when I teach on sin to somebody in an evangelistic study, I I draw this intellectual picture of you have have two individuals on a boat. One is a gossip and one is a murderer. And they're on the same boat. The boat is sinking and the one that's a gossip is pointing to one that's a murderer. And he's saying, well, I'm not as bad as him. (laughs) Yeah, but you're on the same boat. And the boat is... Sinking. He may be a little bit further down in the water. Okay. Oh, I don't need help. I'm not as bad as them. Yes, you are. It's just a different kind of bad. You really do need help. All. Oh. You know, I think if the the Apostle Paul had a computer, all would be all caps with bold. All. Who does that not include in here? All have sinned. None of us are righteous. All of us in varying degrees always need whatever it is, wherever you are right now, there's something going on that demands your need for God's help and healing in your life, or as we're calling it in this series... You're, you're needing recovery. I'm not, as, I'm not bad. I'm not as bad as them. And then my, my, third, my third argument that was what I put up as a resistance to saying, help me. It was this one, my third obstacle. Oh, I can do this on my own. And the answer to that is, no, you can't. That's just not really complicated to answer But I didn't get that in my initial days of recovery. There was one verse that was like my theme verse for the year. And it was Proverbs 14, 12. And it's repeated in another proverb. I don't even have to look at my notes to quote it because it's just embedded into my heart. There's a way that seems right to a man. But in the the end, it leads to death. I had been following a way that seemed right to me. I had been doing my own thing in my own way. And it was just destroying my life. I can do this on my own. Eddie, you've been doing it on your own. And look at where it's led you. Well, others others sure they need church and religion and God, and they need people, but I'm the exception. Trust me, I've got this. How's that working for you? That is sinful. Pride, you can't do this whatever it is on your own and so this, I can do this on my own. It's tied into my fourth and a lot of us here are struggling with this one. I'll just say, okay, I got it too, all right? And I used it. Fourthly, my resistance to healing and crying out for help was oh, I don't want people knowing my business. That's pride. Pride keeps up a a false wall or pretending like we're somebody that we aren't. I don't want people to know my stuff, my weaknesses, and so I, I have this false show of, "I've got it all together when I, when I really don't, and I'm too proud to say, "I'm messed up and I need help." Or another way of saying that in a fancy religious way is, is, is to confess openly. What's going on in my life? And you know, the Bible says, commands that. We're big on our church fellowship on command, right? The Bible commands confession. The Bible says, listen, if you want forgiveness, confess your sins to God. But if you want healing, to whom must we confess our sins? It says in James 5, 16, confess your sins to one another. Be open and transparent. And pray for each other so that you may be healed. If you're saying, no, I don't want people to know my business, you're putting up a wall preventing God from healing you of whatever you're struggling with. I'm not that bad. I'm not as bad as them or them. I'm not pointing at you intentionally. I can do this on my own. I, I don't need everyone knowing my business. Pride, pride, pride. Pride, 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 and pride comes before fall. Once a week, I I meet with a group of individuals walking on the road of recovery. And I'll tell you, there's never a week goes by that that one of us doesn't say, or all of us, at the root of our problems is sinful, selfish, narcissistic pride. But it's the poor in spirit that says, Oh my goodness, I'm messed up and I need help. I I I've tried and failed. I cannot do this on my own. And so you make the choice to surrender. God, I I I I give up. I've tried my way and failed. Lord, I surrender my life to your way. I surrender my rule to yours. The kingdom of heaven, it, kingdom of heaven belongs to the poor in spirit, because they have surrendered their lives to His kingdom, rule. Now listen, this is really important. The objective of this beatitude, do not hear. All right, everybody, get out there and be poor in spirit. You don't try to be poor in spirit. It's a matter of coming to a self-realization that you are. And it's in that place that you're positioned for his kingdom rule. And thus you're placed on the path of healing and recovery. In the original language, this word is pretty, pretty extreme, pretty intense, poor in spirit. It carries, it carries with it The definition of absolute and abject poverty. It comes from a root root word which means to crouch or to cower. It describes a condition of poverty which is beaten to its knees. Do you see that? That's the picture Jesus is describing. Dallas Willard in his masterful work on the Beatitudes puts into words this beatitude of poor in spirit. Blessed are the spiritual zeros. The spiritually bankrupt, deprived and deficient, the spiritual beggars, those without a wisp of religion when the kingdom of heaven comes upon them. Emmett Smith, an Irishman whose writing on the Sermon on the Mount became very popular in the, in the AA movement. He wrote of the, the beatitude, the poor in the spirit in this way, to be poor in spirit means to have emptied yourself. You cannot be filled if you're not empty. It means to be, to be empty of yourself. Of all desire to exercise personal self-will, and with that, what is just as important, to have renounced all preconceived opinions in the wholehearted search for God. It means to be willing to set aside your present habits of thought, your present views, your prejudices, your present way of life. I mean, it's all got to (laughs) go. All of you and to jettison, in fact, anything and everything that can stand in the way of your finding God. What is standing in your way of finding God? It's got to go. In his popular commentary, William Barclay writes of the poor in spirit. He says it like this, Blessed is the man who has realized his own utter helplessness and who has put his whole trust in God. In order to get help, you have to admit you need help. I think that's what he's saying in a fancier way. And that's what Jesus was trying to get across in, in the book of Revelation to the church in Laodicea. As he said to them, you say, oh, I'm rich. I have acquired wealth and I do not need a thing. I've got this. Jesus says, you don't realize, actually you're, you're wretched. You're pitiful. You're poor. You're blind. You're naked. And like that is so depressing, Jesus. Wretched, poor, blind, and naked. But it's this self-awareness and this real self-realization of being poor in spirit that puts me in the place where God can work. Our our world would never say, Blessed are the poor. Or poor in spirit. In contrast to our culture and scripture, it's the poor in spirit who are mentioned more favorably than the rich in scripture. And I think it's primarily because they're the ones who recognize their need for God. And so they trust him. He's all, he's their only hope, their only protection, their only deliverance. If there's a memory verse for the poor in spirit, it's John 15. I've got this one memorized also. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's our memory verse. The song, we sing some songs that that could relate as the song of the poor in spirit. You may, if you're older, recognize the lyrics to the poor in spirit song. It is nothing in my hands I bring. Why not? Because I don't have anything, God. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress. I don't even have clothes. Helpless look to thee for grace. I love this old language. Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. Not the labor of my hands can fulfill the law. I just can't do it, can fulfill the laws. I can't, God. I've tried. Thou must save, and thou alone. God, I admit, I can't do this. I need you. I surrender. And so there's one final obstacle to all of this. I still have it, and a lot of us are battling with it. I share with you the first four, and that's the obstacle that I have to be aware of, is that my recovery is, is never over. I think thinking that it actually is, it is the problem. Thinking, well, that's something I did. I can now check that that beatitude off. I've got that poor in spirit thing down. I'm a Christian. I've been baptized. I've got this. Listen, we will always need God. (laughs) We will always need his healing. We will always need his help. Whatever your sinful struggles may happen to be, We will always be in that way of poor in spirit as long as we are breathing. The question is, so what is your need today? In what way are you needing God's help and healing? Honestly, there are some of us here, and you're not in a good place. You're really not deep down you've got that suppressed thought that you know it but you're lying to others or to yourself and you're saying i'm not that bad is that you oh, there are there some of you who are in a really bad place but you're kind of looking around going but i'm not as bad as her i'm not as bad as them out there is that you there are some of you who are in a really bad place this morning, but no one knows it. And looking at you, we can't tell because you fake it really well. You're living a lie. You're too proud to open up and to share and to confess. Is that you? There are some of you in a in, in a bad place, but you're saying, mm, I, I got this. Don't need help. And you're relying on your own strength, not the strength of the Spirit, not the strength of others. Is that you? There are some of you who are doing what seems right to you. You're doing what that makes sense to you. You're doing things your own way instead of God's way. And it ain't working but you keep thinking eventually that it will isn't that maddening is that you there are some of us here that we haven't even taken talking about the 12 steps some of us here have not even humbly submitted to god in baptism simply because of pride to admit I need that, I need help to die to self, and to live for Christ. Is that you? The call of this first beatitude is, it, is really the call to the, take the first three steps of the 12-step program to admit I'm powerless and I can't manage my life on my own. I need a power greater than I am. Oh God, I need you. And so I make a decision to turn or to return my life and my will to God's care, God's help. So what about you today? Where are you? What is the decision you need to make today? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's the first of life's healing choices it's a choice to surrender. I want us to, to go to God in prayer and, and ask him by His spirit to show each one of us in what way he's calling us today to surrender. Would you pray with me? Father, I'm asking that you do by your spirit what I'm, I'm not capable of doing myself. I can't say, and this is what you need, and this is what you need. I can't point it out, but but you can because you know each one of us intimately. You have this amazing ability by the power of the Spirit to just penetrate into our thoughts and say, hey, this is what's going on. This is what you need to do. These are the choices you need to make. This is the way you need to surrender, Father, in this quiet moment. Would you speak to us? I'm going to ask that our elders, uh, shepherds make themselves available. Would you stand? And we're going to continue in, our, in a spirit of prayer. And if you need to respond in prayer, reach out to one of our shepherds or reach out to someone. And, if, uh, that, and say, hey, look, I don't have it all together. I need prayer. Would you pray with me? And if you know someone that needs your encouragement or a hug and prayer, let's go before God now in this time of prayer. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs every Sunday at 1040 a.m. as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.